This is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien. Super excited to bring another episode to you today. And we've got another guest episode back on the podcast. I'm really excited to welcome Jade Green to the podcast. Jade, how are you going? I am epic. Thanks so much, Jack. Awesome. Really excited to have you here. For those who aren't familiar, uh, Jade owns Life Engineered. She's a speaker, facilitator, coach. She's a trainer with the Entrepreneurs Institute. She's all over the place. She facilitates iLabs, which is a, a development program in Bali. Jade, you are all over the place. So uh, it's am. really exciting to have you join us. And so that the listeners can get a little bit of a, your backstory, I've got a couple of quick rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready to go? Go. All right. What are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? I am revisiting 12 week year. Oh, okay. Have you picked up anything new this time around? Uh, this is the third time around. Yes. So every time I do it, I'm focusing in on one more piece of the puzzle because it's, and we'll talk about this later, how I guide clients and the structure that I follow is a, a quarterly structure. So effectively a 12 week. So there's always little elements in there. I tell you what though, the book I just read, which was Mel Robbins live coaching, which is an audible only um, book. Mm. Amazing. And just mind shifting. Right. Right. I, yeah. I am a Mel Robbins fan. Five, four, three, uh, two, one. Right. Listen to, listen to the live coaching. Epic. Hilarious. Okay. Hilarious as well. But you learn your own patterns and you're like, oh, wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And that's on Audible? On Audible. Yeah, it's an Audible right. original. Okay. So you go, 12-week year and Mel Robbins. Jade, tell me, who inspires you? Oh, this is always a, a tough one, isn't it? So everyone's mm. like, oh, my mom, my dad, my family, Obama. <laughs> no one said uh, Trump yet. No, yeah. They used to, I think. No, I would say that the people that inspire me the most are actually my peer group. So I've got a really close group of friends that I know through Mind Valley and through Entrepreneurs Institute that are on a similar journey. And just seeing them go through the fucking grind and to be really pushing themselves to live an authentic life and to live the life of their dreams. Because to be honest, it's way easier to go and build a business that you should build and that you have the talent to do. Mm -hmm. It's a lot harder to build a business that's aligned with your soul's true purpose mm -hmm. and may not, and, and might be a little bit more challenging. You have to face your own shit and it can take longer to get the cash in because it's more of a soul driven project and to see them persevere and not, not go back to the easy route. Like it'd be so easy for me just to go back to doing recruitment. It'd be yeah. so easy for my friend to go back to running gyms, but she, she knows that that doesn't light her up. So they're the people that inspire me. So mm. a couple of key ones that come to mind, Andrew Boyle, which I think you might know, Andrew, and Martin Van Stein, a couple that really do keep me pushing forward. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. What did you want to be growing up? I'm assuming it wasn't in recruitment. <laughs> Hilarious. I have, I have three things. So I really wanted to be a fashion designer. And I actually got a, a part scholarship into White House School of Fashion, but we were too poor to even take out the part scholarship. Oh. So I thought, fuck it, and made my first business a modeling and promotional agency with a dressmaking arm. So I just did a fashion design for myself. 
I wanted to be a pro surfer. And then when I got a little bit older, I wanted to right. be a SWAT team. Yeah, right. Did you act on that intuition? <laughs> uh, I didn't because I, I became more consciously aware and started my Mind Valley journey and things like that and thought about the violence and uh, what I'd be calling in by going into that profession. Yeah. So, but my dad thought, dad was like, I totally, I totally get that. He's like, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I often have thought that if I didn't get married so young, I probably would have gone to the army and become a commando or SAS yeah. type guy, but it didn't happen because of relationships. And yeah, yeah that um, I'm not sure where I sit on the, the violence slash non-violence spectrum. So yeah. uh, I'm glad it didn't end up that way. That's, that's fascinating. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't want to be a footballer growing up either? No, I um, just that was into that one. Just happened to fall into that one. <laughs> we might touch on that uh, down the track. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tell me, what's a motto that you live by? Well, my new motto is "Life is a choice; it is what you choose." Um, but but something I do tend to live by. My ex husband hated me living by was "balls to the wall or nothing at all." Mm. Yeah, I can, I can. That makes sense. That that aligns with uh, the Jade that I know. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, thank you for sharing that. So you touched on the the fashion design stuff and recruitment. What's been your journey through to what is now life engineered and your trainer roles uh, yeah. over the last couple of decades? Hilarious. So I kept saying that my first businesses were at twenty one, but then I was talking to someone. And I realised actually my first business was at seventeen, um, mm-hmm. like proper business. With, because I was a Mary Kay consultant, so oh, the original, the original MLM. Um, yep. Yeah, I needed a way to be able to buy the um, pencils to draw my eyebrows on because this shit's tattooed on. I grow everything else myself, but eyebrows can't do it. So I got introduced to Mary Kay so I could have eyebrows, and then I was like, I can't afford this, so I need to start selling it. it so yep. that was my very, that was my first one, which then integrated in perfect alignment to having the modeling and promotional agency. That was a complete fluke. I was going traveling around Australia and I drove three days straight to get to Bar- to get to get Darwin on right. my 21st birthday. I was going to the big smoke for my birthday, mm-hmm. but, I, but I got all the way there and I don't know if you know the North Coast very well. And I was like, fuck, this looks a lot like Lismore. This is a desirable place, I'm sure, if you're born there, but... It's literally a hole in the ground. Let's mm-hmm. So I thought I'd learn, if I learned how to be a barmaid, because I'd been running a surf shop and making clothes from the school factory, making the school uniforms in a factory. Right. I thought if I learned to be a barmaid, I'll be able to travel around Australia because everyone needs them, right? Right. So I, I got a job in a bar and about a week later, a lady came in and asked if I wanted to work at the V8 supercars. And I'm like, oh, I love cars. Yeah. And then she's like, got any friends? I'm like, Nah, I just got here, but I can do what you just did and walk this whole strip and ask all the other barmaids. <laughs> so long story short, I ended up with 52 friends working for me, male and female. The uniforms didn't arrive for, the, for us to do the promo. And I'm like, that's all right. I'm traveling in my station wagon and I've got my sewing machines in the back. So I can make us some uniforms. So I made some uniforms. And then, yeah, then I started making all the uniforms for all of the liquor companies and doing all the promo girls and four and a half years later, I'd inherited the dressmaking shop, the alteration shop where I used to buy all my equipment and Mm. had my agency and was doing that. Then a series of events happened. 
friend of mine that I was teaching to swim actually got eaten by a crocodile and my now ex-husband's grandma got sick and, and died um, down south here and we were on holidays. And so we were like, Darwin's really far away from everything. We should move. And my first lesson in business came there, maybe not my first, but I had built my whole business a lot on cash and it was back mm-hmm. in the day when you used invoice books, not mm-hmm. a computer, and like mm-hmm. the pen things, things just, yeah. The pen things, yeah. And I had a spike on my desk to put yeah. all the invoices. Carbon copies, the carbon so, slip. Carbon, carbon copies. And so I ran my business like that and a lot was on cash. Didn't have the books, didn't have contracts. Everything was like based on my reputation. So mm-hmm. when I when I was approached for someone to buy the business when I wanted to leave, I was like, I spoke to all the girls. I'm like, would you work for this person? What about the clients? Would you work with this person? They're like, we we signed up with you, love. So I couldn't in good conscience sell it to him. So that was a really big lesson. Make sure that you're, you're thinking about, although you may not want the end game, have your ducks in a row. Mm. That landed me in Sydney, fell into recruitment. Yeah, right. That, that's interesting that you say fell into recruitment because the themes that I'm picking up and what I know of you now is that you don't really fall into much. You tend to like grab it by the scruff of the neck. So yeah. tell, tell me, how do you fall in? How does Jade fall into recruitment? Okay. So I was working for Bundy, so Diageo up in Darwin, part-time as a, well, full-time as a rep while running my agency on the side as well. And I transferred to Sydney with them. I really didn't like that my boss started stealing my work. So I went to a recruitment company and was going to get another job as a rep. The, the recruiter was like, hey, you'd make a great recruiter. And I'm like, what's a recruiter? What does that mean? <laughs> and he's like, told me about it. And I went through 10 interviews with the company. Oh, this will tie lovely into our question earlier. So I went through 10 interviews with the company. They told me 10 to- no time, no, 10 times. And the number one reason was because I was a girl. Oh, yeah, good. And, they, and they'd hired a girl before and it didn't work out well. She ended up running off with one of the clients and the client paid for her to get her breasts done and all these things. Oh, no. Now, now the fact that she was a stripper before she started there might have been an indication. But anyway, Mm. so I'm like, okay, I don't think that's a female problem. I think that's just a person problem. Right. Yes, agreed. Yeah. So what I did was I interviewed with all the competitors and then I rang them up and said, I'm going to be walking past your office in five minutes to Pegasus across the road. If you don't have a contract for me, I'm going to steal all your liquor clients and I'm going to run you into the ground. (laughs) Nice. Yep. So they rang back and they're like, okay, Trudy has a contract. Come on in. Um, And I promised them that I would be the biggest biller, be the first person promoted and be running the show within two years. Mm -hmm. One year, 11 months, I became the general manager. (laughs) Wow. So then how does someone who's working in recruiting, you know, a bit of a corporate job, end yeah. up now, you know, training for Mind Valley and Entrepreneurs Institute and coaching, facilitating, leading? Yeah. Join the dots for me. Okay. So obviously I helped run that company. We built that Australia wide. They had some dramas. I ended up working for the direct competitor and then they offered me equity in their company and I couldn't take it because I didn't align with their values. This is where I was starting mm-hmm. to wake up. Yeah, right. So I quit to start my own agency. So I started Velocity, uh, which I had for five years. And during that time, I joined the Entourage and I started doing the Entourage stuff. And this is where I really was starting to wake up. Jack Delosa recommended, he could see that I was miserable, miserable in my marriage, miserable in my business. And he's like, JD, I want you to go and read two books. I've, actually, I've got one right there. Um, what I Know For Sure by Oprah. Mm-hmm. 
and Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Mm-hmm. It's like, go and read those books and just ask yourself some questions. And so that was a huge wake up call and slap in the face, anxiety moment, breakdown. The end result, I ended up getting divorced. And throughout the process, I started finding more books. I started reading The Code of the Extraordinary Mind by Vision, which is Mind Valley. Yep. And, and just realizing that I was trying to squash a square peg into a round hole with my recruitment firm. I wanted to be the world's largest enabler of humans that were happy at work. And I was trying to make a conventional recruitment firm be able to fulfill that dream. And I was trying to coach companies on their, their culture and their structure. And I didn't get paid for any of that. I only got paid if I filled a role. And sometimes I was telling them not to fill roles because it wasn't good for the business and they had the things wrong. And I was was much much more than just recruitment. Yeah, it was so much more. And, and Jack said to me at one stage, he's like, Jade, it's killing you, love. Don't do something that's killing you. And that's when I made the tough decision. I went to iLab. And when I went to iLab, I decided to, to abandon the recruitment firm and start following mm-hmm. my soul. I set a goal right there that I would work with Valley and that I would work with Entrepreneurs Institute, Entrepreneurs Results, mm-hmm. and that I would go down the line of what really lights me up. So I flew wow. from iLab with that goal mm-hmm. straight to Barcelona, for my very first Mind Valley event, where mm-hmm. I had it in my head that I'd convinced Vision to license me in Australia to be the Mind Valley rep, and everyone's like, "You haven't even met Vision. Good fucking luck." Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> as we know, I walked. There's a whole story behind that, but as as we know, I walked out as a Mind Valley certified trainer. Well, not I didn't walk out of there. I walked out being accepted into the program. Uh, I jumped through all the hoops, and mm-hmm. I managed to later down the track. I hadn't proven myself to Roger as yet to be invited into Entrepreneurs Institute. But from what I did building my personal brand over that year with Mind Valley and all the other things, they then extended an offer to me to become a facilitator for iLab, which is the program that I love so much. Wow. There's so many threads to pull on. So if we pick on a couple, <laughs> we pick on a couple, I think probably what would be really interesting to clinic owners and those listening would be that epiphany of, you know, you're starting to know thyself and, and learn more about yourself and, and and doing what lights you up. What were some of the things yeah. you did other than read those two books inspired from Jack yeah. Losa? What else did you do to learn more about yourself and then align your activities with mm-hmm. who you are on the inside? Yeah. So the book started it and that, that also started me journaling and really starting to ask myself questions like what does bring me joy? Who am I at a soul level? Like right. when I'm not shut all over and I'm not like conforming to the rules and I'm not sitting in my mad masculine ego, like just pushing and being super competitive, who the fuck am I? What actually brings me happiness and brings me joy? And working through that, the Code of the Extraordinary Mind book by by Vision really, really helped that because there's a lot of exercises in it. And then going to that seminar, going to Mind Valley U and doing all of the personal development and really being put in uncomfortable spaces. But most importantly, finding other people that are going through it and building core group that, that you can you know sit there with snot pouring out your nose and like looking like a disaster pouring the soul out th- saying things that you think you, sh- you usually you only say inside your head because you don't want anyone else to hear right. but knowing that you have a safe container and having them challenge you like andrew who's my best friend that i talked about before he calls me on my shit he's like ego he's like nah that was an ego decision 
is like, well, go back and really look at that. What's dri- What's really fucking driving you to do that? Mm-hmm. So having someone that you, you, like it's hard with a partner. Like if a partner says it to you, like, <laughs> right? You, you need to that's, build. That's a middle finger salute for those who are listening in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, having that someone that you know is coming from a pure place of love for you mm-hmm. and that you've given permission to ch- call you on your shit it's, it's more that I've given him a mandate and he's given me a mandate sure. to call each other on our shit. And that growth is like mind blowing. So getting into a mastermind group or something like that, where you have that core group is, mm-hmm. will, will change you exponentially. And then seeking out when you, when you start to like, I do it, oh, my whiteboard's gone. One of the things is like, what did I learn about myself today? Mm-hmm. And asking yourself questions like, okay, what did I do? Well, what did I, what did I kind of fuck up and what could I change to, to, to do better next time or to, to pivot or to iterate and mm-hmm. taking a look at yourself and taking that time really makes a monster difference. Mm-hmm. So is that journaling, self-reflection and that's yeah. right. And I think that really resonates. I see it all the time inside our business academy, those who lean into community and lean into that friction of relationship yeah. end up, it's that iron sharpening iron principle and yeah. for those who are listening and aren't familiar it's vision lakiani we'll link up in the show notes uh, yeah. his books and mind valley and all those things as well as your resources those show notes will be over at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast so what do you do now jane what what do you who do you love working with and tell us about some of your different programs roles what it is that you do yeah amazing so just on what we're talking about with mind valley i'm super excited because going to do that seminar in barcelona changed my life and I now facilitate that particular seminar based on the code of the extraordinary mind. So on Saturday, I've got, I'm doing one on Gold Coast on Sunday, um, following Saturday, I'm going to be in Sydney doing it. And then next year rolling out some more in Australia as well. I get to do that around the world. I've did it at Mindvalley University in front of Vision, in oh, Tallinn yeah. and in Croatia. So that's one of the things I do, which is more around that personal development. Um, and I think that's where all business owners should start understanding the program that you've taken on from society, the bullshit rules of society, all of the things you've been shoot all over with and freeing that up to get in line with what your soul really wants to experience in this meat suit and this timeline and then work on the business. Mm. So then I bring in my, then I bring in what I do with the Entrepreneurs Institute, um, what I've learned from 12 week year, what I've learned from the entourage, what I've learned from growing six businesses now over the last 21 years. And, and forming that into helping busy business owners to get their their people, profits, and personal brands under control so that they can have more time and freedom to live life and live congruently with who their soul is. So I do that through coaching programs and delivering for other people like iLab or, you know, people hire me to come in facilitate at their events and things like that and I can tailor to suit them. Um, and often I help people with their LinkedIn profiles as well because that's a an easy part for them to get traction if they're, if they're struggling with cash flow and attracting clients before they can work on the other stuff. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Which is awesome. I think you've done such a ripper job on your personal brands. Uh, you know, it's, it's carved your own little unique niche, which is amazing. So if anyone mm. looking for inspiration on that side of things, definitely Jade is one to, uh, to go on. Jade, you, I just want to rewind a little bit. Cause I think there's a thread that'd be interesting to pull on for the listeners. You mentioned you had too much masculine energy. And then uh-huh. before that, we talked about you got turned down initially for a job because you were a girl. Yeah. 
Talk to us about your experience of, of being a female in, in the workplace as a leader and uh, yeah. how that's played out for you. So uh, I think I mentioned before, I, I got asked to be on the ABC Breakfast Show to talk about gender pay gap inequality because I won these international business awards for women. And I was like, I don't think I'm the right person. I've never experienced gap, gender pay gap inequality. Yes, I got knocked back for a job because I was a girl, but I turned that around. Right. And what I think that, that is, and when I look back, is because I never accepted that a girl was different. And that goes right back to high school. So in high school, I had a shaved head because I surfed and my hair got in dreads and we were poor and my dad refused to buy fucking conditioner or get my hair done. So I shaved my head. Right. I, I, the girls' school uniform was ridiculously impractical to play sport in, so I refused to wear it. I wore a boys' school uniform. They then told me I couldn't be captain of the school anymore if I refused, if I had crazy hair and wore a boys' school uniform. So I got the uniform changed. So then we got a gender neutral, everyone could wear a polo shirt of the same color and you could have a fabric that you could choose for the bottom and you could have skirt, shorts, skorts, whatever the fuck you wanted, as long as it was in the uniform color and in these guidelines. So it kind of started there. I'm like, you know, no, no. I, and I played when they were like, oh, this is a boys only sport. No, it's not. I'm playing. Um, so I just didn't accept that I was different. And I think that that's what played through in, in my career. And, and when it comes to getting told no, cause I'm a girl, me pointing out, no, it's not, you're, you're looking at, you're stereotyping based on one thing and it's mm. actually a human problem. And right. if you actually can get people to go back and think about that, it's the human problem and you need to understand what they think the problem is in that. So coming from recruitment, we'd have things where we see we were seeing unconscious bias to men. Mm-hmm. And it's because it's an unconscious bias. People like people like them right. because they can get along with them. They can find common ground, right? And this is so the number one thing, thing almost, I teach. Really, isn't it? It's a safety thing. And and this is the same problem with when we talk about wealth dynamics profiles too, right? People go and hire more creators if they're creators or more stars if they're stars when that's the exact opposite of what they need right? because the job that they're hiring them to do is the opposite to their skill set, but they hire those because they like them because they like them. So (laughs) once we can educate people about their unconscious bias, once we can understand what they think the problem is, so what I found with a lot of clients that obviously they're not allowed to say that they're only hiring men or they won't hire women and that's not allowed, but then you're the recruiter and you want to fill the job. So you have to kind of do as you're told. But mm. when you said, when you went back and asked why a lot of the time it was, Oh, we've just lost so many women to, to pregnancy and to maternity leave. And I just can't afford to have this role vacant. And right. you start hearing what the behind things. And I'm not saying they're right in any way. Don't, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying sure. that. But once I could understand that, then I could say, like, actually, I've got some girl clients that have had hysterectomies. They're not having kids. <laughs> like, you uh-huh. don't have to worry about that. Can I put them forward? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Like, so once you understand what, and they often don't understand until you question and understand. Sure. Or, or we've found in the past the women are too soft. Okay, again, that's a people problem and a personality problem, not a gender problem. Mm-hmm. And it might be how you've hired or you've hired the wrong personality type, the wrong profile for that job. And that's, again, it's not on their, their sex. It's on you for hiring wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Does that answer the question? 
Yeah, it does. I think it's, uh, yeah, that, that brings a lot of context, I think, to the, the gender discussion, certainly around mm. women in business ownership roles and in leadership. Uh, it's not a gender issue. It's a human issue or human opportunity uh, yeah. for us all to grow as, as better humans despite and I think you're also what I find interesting as you speak is that it's not blaming the world or the environment that we're in it's taking control and go what's in my domain I'm going to be responsible yeah. for and be the best version of myself and let go and release what happens out there yeah which is awesome 100 percent. and I think what we were talking about before was about leaning into the masculine or feminine energy Mm. And tr real leaders understand that you need to have both and it's about the balance and about knowing what energy is better for which role you're doing at that time. Mm. And, there, okay. and there, there is definitely a time for a feminine energy, especially when you're trying to bring in the collaboration, the compassion, the empathy, the enrollment in someone emotionally into something. Mm -hmm. And then there's a time for the masculine when it's like get shit done. So, but that doesn't need to be based on what suit that person is wearing. It's about sure. what energy you choose to channel. Mm. That's amazing. Look, we could talk for hours. This is, there's been so many uh, topics covered here. If people want to find you, get in touch, learn more about what it is that you do, how do we continue the conversation? Beautiful. Uh, super easy. All of my social handles are Jade Green AU for Australia, obviously. Right. So LinkedIn. LinkedIn is my social media platform of choice. That's where I've built my, my following. So uh, I would say that's the best place if you want to social proof me, learn more about me, go there. Um, but if you want to direct connect with me, then just shoot me an email at jade at business engineered. So engineer with an ED on the end, dot com. So jade at business engineered.com. My assistant will pick that up and make sure I call you. <laughs> So good. So good, listeners. We will make sure we link up all of those over in the show notes at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast at the usual home over there. Jade, it's been, it's been amazing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me on the show. It's been wonderful. Listeners, let us know what you think of this show. Please give us a rating review over in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Five stars. Five stars. Thank you. And uh, let us know what you really thought. And we can't wait to bring you another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.